Good morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is a joy to gather and to worship with you on this day of transfiguration. As you look at your bulletins, you will see that account from the Gospels is represented before us. And again, as we make our way through the Gospel of Matthew this year, we share in Matthew's account of the transfiguration of Jesus as found in chapter 17. I look forward to sharing that word with you. I'm grateful to share the word with leadership from our children, from our children's choirs. Bless you and thank you for your efforts of leadership in worship this morning. Uh, it is joy to be with you all, especially those who may be visiting our, our guests. You bless us with your presence. And I just remind us that we find some registration pads in our, um, in our pews and it, because it is helpful for us to know of you sharing in worship at First Church this morning. Helpful as well for your attention to the opportunities as they are before us in our bulletins, especially when I lift before you this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We begin our 40-day Lenten journey, our journey to the cross, beginning this Wednesday. We will have two opportunities for worship. There will be a noon service here in the sanctuary and then a service at 7 o'clock. Each of the services will offer word, music, and the Lord's Supper, the imposition of ashes as well. So this is a sacred and holy time, a very necessary journey for us all, and I hope you will be a part of that this coming Wednesday as we share in our Ash Wednesday services. I invite us now to prepare to worship God together.
John chapter 3, verses 11 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does what is true comes to the light, that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been wrought in God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
please join me in a call to worship. Light of love, light of delight, light that turns doubters into followers. It is the same God who at the beginning said, let there be light, who has shown in our hearts with the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The mightiest one of all, God the eternal, speaks and summons the whole earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. From God's holy mountain, God's light, the perfection of beauty shines out. Call to worship, light of love, light of peace. 
opening prayer. God of glory and mercy, before his death, we came before his death in shame. Your son went to the mountaintop. Freddie. We prepare for the reading of the 103rd Psalm by Cedar Wade. First we pray. Lord, you speak and we are filled. You speak and we receive your gift of life. You speak and we are inspired. Thank you for pouring your spirit upon us as your word is proclaimed. Open our ears that we may hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your inequity, who heals all your diseases, who redeemed your life from the pit, who crowned you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our inequities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him, and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant, and remember to do his commandments. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain apart, and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are, are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them to know one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
is we thank our children for their leadership, our children's choirs. We thank Jill, thank Elizabeth Devault, our choir mom, and all the parents and, and all who support and make these ministries happen. Uh, brothers and sisters, we're more blessed than we know. And I just want you, want you to, want to share that. We are more blessed than we know. So. Well, if I were to ask you to, to name the most noteworthy, most significant days of the church year, it is not difficult to guess what days we would name as the days we consider of greatest priority in the church year. We know Christmas Day would be at the top of the list, right? And we also know that Easter would be at the top of the list. Who among us would argue with these choices as to the most important days in the church year? Why would we not remember when Jesus is born fulfilling God's promise to send one who would save his people, one who would be the long-promised Savior? And why would we dare overlook that day when Jesus, having died on Friday, is found to be raised from the dead on this, the first day of the week? The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. How could the day recalling this news not be among the most important days of the church year? So as we name those days remembering the birth and the resurrection of Jesus, we at the same time notice we are not naming Transfiguration Day to be among the most notable days of the church year. I pass no judgment on this. I simply make that observation. I also understand how we overlook the transfiguration of Jesus when it comes to naming the most notable days of the church year. I mean, I confess I don't really recall any attention given to the transfiguration of Jesus until I became a local church pastor. Oh, there's Transfiguration Day? Who, who came up with that? I also understand each of us welcomes the joyful experience accompanying the birth of a child remembered on Christmas Day, and I understand how each of us celebrates the gift of new and resurrection life as we share the joyful news of Easter morning. But the transfiguration of Jesus appears to be more of a challenge for us to wrap our minds around that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can go two, sometimes three days in a row without any conversation about the transfiguration. <laughs> Just doesn't work its way into water cooler conversation, does it? The church nerds among us may know the transfiguration to be the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, the Sunday directly preceding Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the season of Lent. Are you saying you're a church nerd? I am. No, you're not a church nerd. <laughs> no kind of nerd. But we notice our approach to the transfiguration is not the approach of Matthew, nor the approach of Mark and Luke. For each of these Gospels, there is no option. You and I must be taken to the Mount of Transfiguration, not an option. For you and I now and always are to see Jesus in the blessed company of Moses and Elijah. Moses, the giver of the law of God, the law fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Elijah, the foremost of God's prophets, a prophetic word fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Each of these men direct us to and find their ministries fulfilled in the appearance of this Son of God. So these Gospels say it's not an option. We are to be those who find our places among the Mount of Transfiguration. There we see Jesus transfigured in all his glory, and we see him in conversation with Moses and Elijah. Can you imagine what that conversation was like? And there is also this. Do you know how many times in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark and Luke as well, Jesus is rightly identified as the Son of God. Now, we might think this happens many times, but Jesus is rightly identified as the Son of God in these Gospels only three times. At his baptism, remember, as we hear God name Jesus as his beloved Son in whom he's well pleased. When Jesus is crucified, as we hear Jesus rightly proclaimed as the Son of God by, of all people, a Roman soldier. And the third place where we notice Jesus is rightly proclaimed as the Son of God, you got it, here upon the Mount of Transfiguration. The mountaintop where we see 
Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah at this mountaintop where we hear God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So perhaps the day of transfiguration begins to look a little more important to us. I hope it does because this day of transfiguration speaks to us clearly about who Jesus is. He alone is the Son of God. And in case we have any doubts about this, it is here we are invited to remember what was said about Jesus when he was baptized. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it's here we are invited to anticipate what will be said when Jesus dies. This is the Son of God. Now it is true. We need not run out to the Hallmark store hoping to find some cards commemorating transfiguration. And we need not rush to our homes and decorate according to transfiguration. But we dare not miss the witness of these Gospels, a witness telling us this trip to the Mount of Transfiguration is a trip we are to make if we are to understand who Jesus is. And the witness of the Gospels also is this. There are those times when we are called to claim our presence fully within the glory of God. During my third and final year of seminary in Richmond, I, along with other students who would soon be graduating, was asked to lead one of the chapel services before graduation. So a few weeks before graduation, I stood behind the pulpit in the wonderfully reverent and intimate Watts Chapel on the campus of Union Theological Seminary in Richmond. My scripture was from 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, in which the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth of his efforts to become all things to all men in the hopes that by doing so, he would win people to Christ. The day after leading that service of worship, I sat in a New Testament class taught by Dr. Matthias Riese, a native of Switzerland. Before class began, Dr. Riese looked at me. With his right index finger, he gestured for me to step outside the class with him for a moment. So I began to wonder, uh-oh, maybe I'm not graduating after all. We step outside the class. Dr. Riese closes the door, says to me in his Swiss accent, which I will not try to repeat, you know that message you delivered in chapel yesterday? That was excellent. That's what a sermon should sound like. We walked back into the class, and Dr. Riese began his lesson. And in the course of that lesson, he praised me again in front of my classmates. You know, from that day on, I don't think my feet touched earth again until well after graduation. Because the effect of those words spoken to me by Dr. Riese was that of taking me up the Mount of Transfiguration. And there I would find myself gathered within nothing but the glory of God. These experiences of transfiguration, they're not as distant from us as we may have thought. When I was an associate pastor at a church in Richmond, it was my responsibility on those Sundays when we celebrated the Lord's Supper to take the bread and cup of the Lord's Supper to the church nursery so as to serve the nursery workers during worship. This meant that I was not in the sanctuary to serve those who worshipped there. The Lord's Supper in the sanctuary would be administered by the senior pastor and by some retired pastors, and on one particular Sunday by a young lady named Jan, who was a student preparing for ministry. So I remember a conversation with Jan after the service of worship in which she had helped with communion. I mean, how could I forget that Jan rushed up to me, excited, almost breathless, her eyes wide. She wanted to share with me the experience of serving communion to my younger daughter, Liz, then about age four. Keith, Jan said to me, 
I wish you could have seen Liz's face when I gave her the bread. I've never seen anything like it. She smiled ear to ear, her eyes lighted up. She was so thankful to receive the bread. It was amazing. I'm so glad I saw this. I wish you could have seen it. I do see it, Jan. I see it. I see it because as you witnessed to me of this holy moment, you take me to that mount of transfiguration. And that is where I see the beloved Son of God in all his glory, and I hear the voice of God and nothing else, and that's all that matters. Transfiguration matters more than we know. Like the baptism and crucifixion of Jesus, this brings us into the company of Jesus in all his glory, causes us to hear the voice of God, and says to us, nothing matters more than this. I share some of these transfiguration moments of mine, confident that you know these moments as well. I say this because I've shared in these moments with you. I remember the services of worship in which we have been carried into the holy presence of Jesus by word and by music, when we have clearly heard the voice of God. Those moments in which we know this is the most important thing there is. I have found my place with you at the table of the Lord. I have been gathered within the glory of God as we know the presence of God in the bread given to us and in the cup offered to us. Transfiguration matters more than we know. It's closer than we think because it is the pleasure of God always to give himself to us in all his fullness, withholding nothing from us. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. It wasn't that long ago as we worshipped, we made reference to how each sermon should have an ask. That is to say, each sermon should in some way send us home with some practical guidance asking us to live according to our faith. And, and I believe there is much value in that counsel. But I believe there's also this. I believe there are those times when we simply do well to walk along with this witness of Scripture, a witness telling us, be still, to know that I am God. I believe there are those times when we do well to, to walk around our inheritance, to behold in all its fullness the glory of God. There are those times, according to Scripture, when you and I are to find our place on the Mount of Transfiguration, to experience the presence of the glorified Christ, and to hear only the voice of God. This time of worship is one of those times. See the Son of God in all of his glory. Take your place in the presence of this one who fulfills every saving word spoken by God. Listen.
as we stand, we are going to affirm our faith, and we're going to, to share as part of our confirmation class, because part of our confirmation experience is to look at the confessions of faith. We do so with the Nicene Creed, noting that it begins to tell us about the nature of God. It concludes by telling us about the nature of the Holy Spirit. And in the middle, we've got this whole big statement about the nature of Jesus, just as we anticipated with our scripture from Matthew. So let us affirm our faith, remembering our belief in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. God as our ushers prepare to come forward if they can. Many gifts are offered to God in this time of worship. Now we offer God his tithes and our offerings as our ushers will come forward. Let us pray. 
we are blessed to remember you as the giver of all good gifts. We are blessed to be those who receive beyond measure from you. And we are blessed to offer but a portion of these gifts into your care, trusting that you accomplish miracles with them, that yourself is glorified, that your people are blessed. In Jesus' name.
As we move into our time of prayer, I share with you that a few weeks ago I received a phone call from Denise Bates. Denise is our district superintendent. And her phone call was to inform me I was to receive a new appointment to Macedonia United Methodist Church on the Winchester District, effective in June. Uh, this is announcement Sunday for those clergy who will be moving, so I share that with you. Uh, I covet your prayers for me and for Paula as we engage in the very arduous process of transitioning to a new church. And uh, as I do so, Kathy Diedrich, the staff parish relations chair here at First Church, will speak as well. United Methodists, we're members of a denomination that believes in the itinerancy of its pastors. So through prayer and thoughtful consideration, the bishop and the cabinet have chosen the Reverend Dr. Elizabeth Foss to be our next pastor. Currently, she is serving Cherrydale United Methodist Church in Arlington, where she has been for the past eight years. Uh, during the next weeks, Reverend Foss's contact information will be included in the bulletin and in the newsletter so that we all may offer her, her a welcome. Uh, I would ask that everyone to please be in prayer for Keith and Paula and Elizabeth during this time as we celebrate the ministry of Keith and Paula and we welcome the ministry of Reverend Foss. Thank you, Kathy. We go to prayer, and we share in a time we know as the prayers of the people. We will do so with, uh, with me offering the various petitions of prayer, petitions that will be very appropriate to this Transfiguration Sunday. Your responses will remain the same. I will conclude each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite your response. Hear our prayer. We go to God as we pray. We are your house, O Lord, and the people of your promise. Lord, in your mercy. God of glory, the God of this city, as you once revealed yourself to Moses face to face, so you have shown yourself to the world in the glory of your Son. Help us by your Spirit to know him by faith, to love him with all our heart, and to serve him with all of our being. Lord, in your mercy, God of glory, the God of this city, your disciples once saw Moses and Elijah point to Jesus as the fulfillment of the covenant of Sinai and all the prophets' words. Reveal yourself now to us in your scriptures, that we may behold him whose suffering and to death give life to the whole world. Lord, in your mercy, God of glory, the God of this city. You once came to a world lonely and afraid and showed, us, showed to us the face of love and hope. Use us to reflect your glory and grace in our world and so represent you here to those who are alone, those troubled by fears and sin, and to those whose hearts are grieved. Lord, in your mercy, God of glory, the God of this city. Your Son came to reveal your kingdom through words and works of mercy. Give to the sick your healing and to the suffering your hope. May your saving will and the glory of your steadfast love support all who call upon you in the day of trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. God of glory, the God of this city, you once spoke through a cloud to your disciples of old that they might see Jesus by faith even when earthly eyes cannot see. 
Grant to us this bold and courageous faith that we may see Jesus, trust in him for our salvation, and to be ready to receive him when he comes again in clouds of glory. We are your house, O Lord, and the people of your promise. Lord, in your mercy, and hear us, Lord, as we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We stand at...
to the mountaintop. We have beheld the glory of God. We have heard his voice. And now we go still listening to him. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. 